From WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Michael Weirich. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, a program is helping people cool down this summer with free air conditioners. Now, given the amount of um, children that live in poverty in this region, and as well as senior citizens, and how detrimental this is to their health, this program is for sure a lifeline for this community. And a 16-year tradition is brewing once again in Athens. So um, that's what Brew Week is. Brew Week's not just one day. It's not just one event. You know, it it is a nine-day festival. These stories and more right here on The Outlet. Summer is currently in full swing, but Destiny Jarum reports some in our community are struggling to beat the dangerous heat. Enter the Hocking Athens Perry County Community Action Summer Crisis Program. HopCap is offering eligible people in need a free air conditioner from July 1st through September 30th. HopCap Public Relations Coordinator Claire Geisigum says access to heating and cooling services is a health issue. It's a crisis every summer because people don't have enough to cover their basic need. Now we're starting to add environmental factors. It's not safe. I mean, it's not safe for anyone to be in this heat. But, you know, given the amount of um, children that live in poverty in this region and as well as senior citizens, and um, and how detrimental this is to their health. Um, it's this this program is for sure a lifeline for this community. Eligible residents include anyone older than sixty, those with an annual income below twenty three thousand dollars, or people with a medical condition. The summer crisis program also offers AC repairs under certain conditions. Guy Seagum urges people to call as soon as possible before appointments. For the outlet, I'm Destiny Jarum. Those interested in scheduling can call 740-868-1908. The highway exit near Athens High School connecting Johnson Road to Route 33 will soon close permanently, with major implications for traffic in the plains. Reporter Teo Suzuki has more on the story. The Ohio Department of Transportation says it's closing the exit to reduce accidents. As a result, the only way to Athens High School will be through 682, a road many worry can't handle an influx of student drivers. Residents on Elm, which connects 682 to the high school, expressed concern that their narrow street may also become overcrowded. Ashley Rittenhouse of the Ohio Department of Transportation says ODOT has evaluated the impact and believes there's nothing to fear. We did study the 682 corridor through the plains um, as part of proposing this project. And what our studies found um, with the software that we used is that the, the traffic impact will be minimal. With the Johnson Road exit closed, there will be no direct access from the highway to the southeast side of the plains. This may have implications for businesses there, particularly the Eclipse Company Store. Jim Strickland, who is currently in talks to purchase the restaurant, expressed concern but feels Eclipse will survive regardless. You always worry about that. What we found with Eclipse is it's a destination. It's not, oh, we're driving down the road and we see that Eclipse is there. Strickland echoed residents' concerns that closing the exit may shift accidents to 682, causing traffic there to grind to a halt. For The Outlet, I'm Teo Suzuki in Athens. 
An Ohio University professor is taking on overseas initiatives with the National Guard. Dylan Tyson reports that the professor's military experience has led him to a new mental health initiative. Dr. Todd Fredericks has taught family medicine at Ohio University for nearly a decade. For even longer, he's dedicated himself to serving the Athens community. I worked in ERs most of my life, urgent cares, and now I work for uh, Ohio Mental Health and Addiction Services as a, as a psychiatric hospital hospitalist. But his latest ventures reach far beyond the county border. Fredericks is on his fourth rotation in Kuwait, serving as a senior medical officer for the West Virginia National Guard. We have a tradition of supporting our own units, and so it's expected that West Virginia doctors and nurse practitioners and physician assistants, we, we just know that we're going to be obliged to go take care of our own people. Before heading overseas, Frederick spent the first year of the pandemic filling his role as a medical liaison for the Guard. He was brought on by West Virginia Governor Jim Justice to advise the state's COVID-19 response and vaccine distribution plans. So when Fredericks was eventually deployed in March, he quickly recognized the inefficiency of the National Guard's COVID-19 testing procedures. In fact, his plane hadn't even landed in Kuwait when he decided it would be his duty to bring about change. Because you get better at the things you do frequently. And I knew that with my staff, we could do testing up here in a very efficient way. So we basically just applied principles of community testing we had in West Virginia to where we're at now. Yet his latest venture goes even further than the scope of the pandemic. His devoted study of service dogs led Fredericks to a new endeavor, providing those dogs to soldiers in the service of mental health. There's a stigma with behavioral health. We all know who deal with behavioral health problems, just because you have stress or anxiety doesn't mean you're crazy. It means you're going through a time where you're just, you need a little tune-up. You need to talk to people, get that stuff out. And so one of the best things about canines is they destigmatize that because you're not going to talk to the psychologist, you're going to pet the dog. Fredericks recalled past tours in Iraq. He was inspired by the power of these dogs to serve as a bridge between soldiers and mental health professionals. But the program shut down when U.S. forces rapidly left Iraq, and there have since been few attempts to have behavioral health support canines in the military. Fredericks felt he needed to change that. And so one of the first things I asked as a medical supervisor over here was, where's the animal, the canine that supports behavioral health efforts by being available for a soldier to connect with so they can chill out? And so I asked where this dog was. Well, there are none. He and his team wasted no time. With the help of Combat and Operational Stress Control Commander James Matthews, they began gathering literature from past programs and built a new operating procedure from scratch. You gotta feed the dog, you gotta give the support equipment to the dog, there's gotta be a training plan, you gotta have metrics to measure dog effectiveness. We put that all together in a matter of days, got endorsements from senior leadership, blah, 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 blah. Before the project could be finalized, Fredericks made one more request to Matthews, who would manage the program long term. And I said, the only requirement I have is whatever you do with this, if it turns into a program and you keep metrics, I want you to send them to me after a year so I can write a paper on it. I'm an academic. I want to write a paper about it, right? Just a few weeks after Frederick's plan was set in motion, his program received final approval on June 15th. The first support dog at his base is named Musket, inspired by the patch of their National Guard unit. To Frederick's, this program is an opportunity to eliminate stigma and save loved ones from tremendous grief. In my mind, having a program, if it can prove efficacy and it mitigates one suicide, is it worth it? For the one testimony of a soldier that said, I was going to do something drastic because I didn't know what else to do, 
but I had a chance to chill out with the dog for a while. I started talking and now I see things differently. And not only may this program confront mental health challenges, it also has the potential to save the military millions of dollars. And that's without counting the human cost, right? That's life insurance, evacuation, the loss of skilled talent, the retraining of skilled talent, the deployment of a new person to replace that person. There's just a million ways why it's bad. Fredericks hopes to share the impact these dogs have, not only through research, but also through his passion for storytelling. Dogs of War will be the latest documentary produced for Frederick's Media and Medicine Initiative, created in collaboration with media arts and studies professor Brian Plough. It's all about service canines and their relationship with the veterans that use them. Um, for PTS and for mobility issues, it should be very compelling. Frederick says he never winds down. He follows the mantra that you don't get anything done unless you stay moving. And the Behavioral Health Canine Program is just the most recent example of Frederick's constant commitment to community service. Dylan Tyson, reporting for The Outlet. This year's celebration of the Appalachian summer solstice at the Wisteria event site and campground gave people the opportunity to take a short vacation from the hustle and bustle of life and return to their roots in nature. But that isn't all the festival was about, Taylor Burnett reports. The four-day celebration featured live music, local food, and nightly campfires. Pam Cooper is one of the owners and operators of Wisteria. This is a sanctuary for people. <laughs> Safe space, be yourself. And you don't have to worry about all the, what we call, mundane issues. You can come here and just relax. Wisteria holds annual events like the Appalachian Summer Solstice year-round. It serves as a sanctuary for the people who run the property, which is cooperatively owned and sustainably operated. Some of the owners, like Cooper, live on the property. The land is made up of a reclaimed strip mine, and after years of work by Cooper and the other owners, native animals are slowly returning. Reclaiming the land was a founding goal for Wisteria, along with creating a place for people in the region to gather and connect with nature. For a multitude of reasons, this year's theme for the summer solstice celebration was Appalachian resilience. This is a sanctuary for people. Safe space, be yourself. And you don't have to worry about all the, what we call, mundane issues. You can come here and just relax. This part of Appalachia has faced many issues in recent years, including the drug epidemic and income inequality. H. Byron Ballard, an Appalachian author and this year's keynote speaker, discussed some of the issues and her thoughts on how to change things. We have to find out and we have to build back for Appalachian people a pride in being Appalachian because we've lost that. That's one of the things that's been extracted from the region. And once we can start to do that, then we're going to be addressing broader, much broader issues. Ballard said she believes Appalachians have changed in spirit over the years and are not as resilient as they used to be. People of Appalachia have to have as much soul about themselves and as much backbone as their ancestors did. Though much has been stripped away, like natural resources, Ballard still sees a future where the people of Appalachia can come together and focus on issues that so heavily affect the region. And nobody from the outside is going to fix us because nobody from the outside likes us. So if we're going to get it done, we're going to do it. Nobody else. Ballard says healing the land plays a part in healing the region. The summer solstice celebration also provides a place for people to gather together 
and begin that process. Locals use it as a place to see friends and celebrate the region's natural splendor. Barbara Harrison chose to make Appalachia her home decades ago and has felt a deep connection with the land since the early 2000s. Um, this is a great place for folks that like to camp and be in community to come because we'll be, um, you know, not only spending time together away from our bubbles, uh, especially this year and our screens, right, and really thinking about what um, uh, resources and assets Appalachia has. However, Harrison's favorite part of the celebration is being together with friends. I am so lucky to have them in my life as well as some of the folks involved and then to meet new friends. Um, that's really what it's about. For The Outlet, I'm Taylor Burnett in Pomeroy. After the break, an event in Athens is tapping into Ohio's love of beer in brews. Um, but what a lot of people miss when they are participating in that is that all the bars are still open. People are still in those bars drinking all the different craft beer. These stories and more right here on The Outlet. Gridiron Glory is back for its 22nd season this fall, and we're just as excited as you are. We're looking forward to being back out on the sidelines and keeping you up to date with the latest information about your favorite teams. I'm your Season 22 host, Nick Veland, and remember, there's nothing better than Friday nights in Gridiron Glory. Welcome back. I'm Taylor Burnett. Hospitals are dealing with a nationwide blood shortage, stemming from increased elective surgeries and injuries after pandemic restrictions were lifted. The shortage could also affect local hospitals and people who live in Southeast Ohio. Oblinus Hospital became more thoughtful about how it uses blood donations shared throughout the Ohio Health Network. The smaller hospital doesn't typically use large amounts of blood like larger hospitals in the region, including Riverside Methodist Hospital or Grant Medical Center in Columbus. Instead, it is designed to send more severe cases to larger hospitals after patients are stabilized. Dr. Lucy Booker is the Senior Director of Medical Affairs at Oblenis and a practicing OBGYN. Everyone's working really hard to make sure that we're doing everything we can to help um, protect the blood supply that we have and making sure that there's not any extraneous usage of, usage of blood. For people who receive blood in more routine treatments and not during life-threatening emergencies, Booker says doctors are working on alternatives. Someone with a chronic iron deficiency, for example, might receive iron treatments instead of a blood transfusion. In addition to efforts at hospitals throughout the region, the Red Cross put operations into overdrive to keep up the blood supply during the shortage. Students from local high schools in Athens and Morgan County and Ohio University make up the majority of blood donations in the region. But summer is usually a time of greater need for blood in normal years because of the additional travel, However, this year has added challenges with the return of elective surgeries. We want to be able to support not only our community, but our state and our nation. So it's very, very critical for those volunteer blood donors because we have half, less than half of the day's blood supply of blood donors. And that's, that's a really sad thing when you think about it. Brindley Boyd is one of the many people in southeast Ohio who regularly needed blood transfusions. Carmen Boyd documented her 10-year-old daughter Brindley's treatments for leukemia on their Facebook page, Brindley's Buddies. Brindley received more than 100 blood transfusions during her treatment. 
Carmen says it was more than that, but they lost track after 100. Carbon organized a blood drive in New Lexington to support people the way Brinley had been supported. Uh, Brinley needed so many transfusions throughout her cancer journey, and so we just wanted to help pay it forward and help others like she was helped to, you know, for several years. Brinley's Buddy's Facebook page has over 11,000 followers, and 87 donors came out to the event. Lori Gayton is an account manager for the Red Cross who helped with Brinley's drive last week. There is currently a need for all types of blood, but especially for type O negative, the universal donors. Throughout the region, there are multiple blood drives, including many with donation incentives. Depending on the drive, donors can receive a free Cedar Parks ticket for any location, including Kings Island and Cedar Point. Other incentives vary by location, but can include buy one, get one free Columbus Zoo tickets and $5 gift cards to restaurants and retail stores. It may be the off-season, but the Ohio women's basketball team had reason to celebrate last week. Reporter Will Price has more on a moment that had one bobcat shedding tears of joy. Which is why we The senior says she was overcome with emotion when she heard those words. It was a moment years in the making for Hunter Rogan. It's honestly everything I've ever wanted, so I didn't know how to feel, and like my first reaction was to cry. So I'm sure everybody saw the video. I cried like a baby, but I was just so happy. Rogan's journey with the team started when she earned a spot as a walk-on. She says it was a goal to receive a scholarship. So when I first was joining the team, I knew it wasn't like that too realistic because we had a full roster, and so I was just happy to be a part of the team. But like, I started to think, like, okay, I want to work my way to that. Head coach Bob Bolden says Rogan's impact on her teammates is undeniable. She's probably the most likable player on the team, um, kind of the glue that sticks everything together. And she's just been instrumental to the things that we've been able to do, and uh, we're just excited to have her around. Bolden says seeing Rogan celebrate with her teammates was special. I mean, we could have done it in my office, um, but that wouldn't have been the same because um, like that, that reaction was genuine. Like That was her genuine appreciation of being a part of this team. And then you got to see how much she is, how valuable she is to the team. Rogan says she's grateful for the scholarship, but the work continues. I'm definitely going to keep the same energy and everything I've always had, like with the same team. I think now um, I have a little more confidence. I know I've lacked that in the previous years, but I know now I'm definitely going to come in with more confidence. I'm Will Price in Athens. As funds for restarting America post-pandemic are flowing into states, a top priority for Southeast Ohio is addressing a long-standing infrastructure problem that became even more of an issue during the lockdown. Nick Veland reports on what is looking to be addressed. Southeast Ohio lives in a digital divide due to the lack of widespread broadband access. The problem is well known, but little progress has been made to address it. Tom Reed is a broadband consultant and has seen the area worsen recently. So from 1990 to 2020, we've all been talking about the problems with the digital divide. There's been $100 billion spent to try to solve it, and here we are really with no improvement. Uh, and we've actually gone backwards in some ways. In a lot of areas, the copper is so decrepit that it won't even support reliable telephone services anymore. Weak internet connections stem from companies not willing to invest in expanding because of the lack of a return. But Athens broadband coordinator Paul Isherwood believes the federal stimulus money changes the equation. So an internet service provider would say there simply isn't enough houses per mile for to get a return on investment. Well, 
if we could have a influx of state money to cover part of the construction cost, would that change the accounting, change the balance sheet to now it looks like this actually could be, the return of investment is actually there. Spectrum got in on the action with funding from the Rural Digital Opportunity Fund to serve Southeast Ohio and will be a major player in the area. Mike Paldi hopes their reputation will allow new users to have reliable service. It just gives us the opportunity to take our services that um, have been very well received in some other areas and get them out to people that traditionally have not had service. Along with providing broadband access, Paul Isherwood said that there's more that needs to happen outside of having reliable speeds. Build the best network in America in Athens County. Um, and it could be the highest speeds available anywhere. But if we don't have a community who have the skill set and uh, are positioned to take full advantage of that, it, it will have very little value. Isherwood is currently searching for nonprofits to partner with to help with issues of computer literacy and bridging the digital divide. Reporting for The Outlet, I'm Nick Veland. Roundtable conversations with the community about these issues are planned for the end of July. Ohio Brew Week returns this week after a COVID hiatus last year. Organizers put together a scaled-back but eventful festival. Three hundred different types of craft beer from across the state, across 22 venues in Athens. The 16th Ohio Brew Week is scaled back, but still bringing strong flavors this year. Signature events like First Call, Last Call, and Brewbecue have packed Athens with up to 6,000 participants, but they won't be happening this year because of COVID. However, organizers say there's still plenty of reasons to celebrate. Brandon Thompson is the executive director of Ohio Brew Week. Um, but what a lot of people miss when they are participating at is that all the bars are still open. People are still in those bars drinking all the different craft beer. Venues from around town will be stocked with a brew for every taste, including lagers, ales, and meads. Thompson said he discovered a peanut butter cup porter during Brew Week years before he got involved in the event. It opened his eyes to the possibilities of craft brews. Uh, and it tasted just like coffee. It was one of the best beers I've ever had. That, that brew, unfortunately, has closed um, during COVID. But uh, one of the best beers, and that opened my eyes to, you know, beer can taste good. Despite the COVID cancellations, some traditional Brew Week events will still be taking place, like the ceremonial cake tapping and the sold-out top-deck dinner on the Athens parking garage. Venues also organize their own events, including beer infusion sessions with fruits and vegetables. So... Um, that's what Brew Week is. Brew Week's not just one day. It's not just one event. You know, it, it is a nine-day uh, festival. For The Outlet, I'm Taylor Burnett. A full schedule of events can be found on the Brew Week website. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is produced each week by Michael Wyrick and me, Taylor Burnett. We're edited by Aaron Payne and David Forster. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gavos. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, or find us online at woub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore woub, and Instagram at woub underscore outlet. 
We'll be back next week with more stories from Southeast Ohio.